shotglassdigital.com. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audiobook download. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. To learn more, go to littledebbie.com forward slash Cosmic Cupcakes. With movies, gaming, books, comics, and collecting, a Little Debbie snack makes everything a little sweeter. Little Debbie, official snack of the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, a great big Rebel Force Radio Happy New Year to all of you. Great to be back with you in the year that Star Wars returns to theaters. We made it! It's finally here! 2015. We got a great show for you to kick off your new year. I like to think we have a great show every week, but this is a particularly great show we got a couple of guests coming up talk about some news and of course our spoiler segment towards the end of the show we got a whole heap of those as we get inch ever closer to the release of star wars episode seven and here to share in the festivities of course my good friend and yours probably still recovering from (laughs) uh, the new year uh celebrations from chicago a very cold chicago yes jimmy mack Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. It's that time of year again. The uh, mercury drops. I start losing my voice. Oh, boy. But it was a great New Year's celebration. And once again, as the family tradition dictates in my home, we watch Star Wars and time it out so the Death Star blows up at midnight. And and this year, like I said, no exception. Now, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. Last year. Last year, this did not happen. Right. This was the infamous year of when we learned your sister's true feelings about your fandom. <laughs> yep, yep. When she overheard, uh, she overheard us plotting to start the DVD on time a mere half hour before showtime last year. My sister, like I said, overheard us and said, what is this? Some kind of nerd thing. <laughs> and taking the wind out of my sails. We ended up watching uh, Honeymooners reruns instead. And, uh, yeah. But was the sister not there this year? Sister was not around. As a matter of fact, we stayed home this year. Oh, did you? Yeah, and and that's what we like to do. Uh, Last year, we were at my parents' house. This year, stayed at home, blew up the Death Star at midnight, but with a twist. It was a last-minute decision, but the boys wanted to watch Jedi. So first time ever, we blew up the Death Star 2 at midnight. (laughs) That's awesome. So you've never done that. But the topic has come up. I think we talked about it a couple years ago about that it would be possible. Yeah. You had never done it before. And was it, I mean, it was only, you know, 
three quarters done, was it still a, a fulfilling end of the year? Well, now, see, that was a, that was a debatable moment there because, you know, we, for over a decade, we've been blowing up the original Death Star. And this year we blew up the Death Star 2. And I think that the room was split. I believe that when the celebrations were being shown throughout the galaxy on Tatooine, Coruscant, uh, where else were they? Naboo now. Boo. Um, yeah, Naboo and uh, Bespin. <laughs> right. um, I think everyone enjoyed that. I, I, I think they, they believed that there was a real New Year's vibe going on. But I prefer the throne room because it's so triumphant. Luke lands at X-Wing. Everyone's cheering, and it cuts right to that great moment. The, the big, loud sounds of the London Symphony Orchestra playing that throne room theme. It just feels so right. If It's a victorious way to start the new year. You know, in Jedi, you have a little bit of dialogue afterwards. Uh, Luke, I, I'm sure he wasn't on that thing. <laughs> He's my brother. Huh? What? So, I mean, you, you, that kind of that kind of dulls the, the celebratory moment for a second, you know. Now, what if you'd have gone real old school and gone with the original version, and you'd have the yub nub, the yub and the nub? Yeah. Um, what, would that I, you know, have helped? Ah, uh, no, I, I don't think that would have helped. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, a debatable situation. I just think nothing compares to doing it with the original Star Wars, no, no. A New Hope. And, and it's just that moment. It's just one of the great moments of film history. Now, that, had, you, had you calculated the timer on, on Jedi before, or was this you had to figure all that out, too? It was some last-minute math, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, we're scrambling. We're scrambling. We do the uh, all the equations necessary. So, whose idea was it? Was it Dylan or Michael? It was Dylan. Dylan. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Dylan's like Jedi, Jedi, and it was fun. It was different. Um, it's been a little while since I've watched Jedi, like a few months. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but it was, uh, you know, still a lot of fun. So right. uh, maybe. Awesome. Yeah, maybe next year we'll post up the instructions for both A New Hope and Jedi. I did post a blog on uh, the 30th and somebody uh, posted it up on reddit and just blew up on reddit and crashed Saw that yeah crashed the shot glass server and uh, that was pretty cool so i appreciate the uh, listener who did that and um but uh, it was it was great it was a, a great way to wrap up the holiday season um did have a lot of fun with the star wars christmas tree this year once again and uh, I actually received some Star Wars Christmas gifts, which is strange because I don't often get Star Wars gifts because people assume I have everything. I was just going to say, I never get Star Wars Christmas gifts anymore. Never. It's absurd. But, you know, I kind of dropped some hints and um, I received a few books. I did get the new uh, storyboard book, which is very cool. And oh, the costumes right, yeah. book, the costumes hardcover book. That was on my list as well. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, we'll be talking to Paul Bateman on Star Wars influences about both those books in an upcoming episode. And I got the Star Wars Hallmark ornaments, which were cool. Oh, well, I meant who'd they, who'd they do this year? Ah, uh, can you give me one second? I want to go grab it. Yeah, because they actually have these little the ornaments. You mean? Yeah. They, okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> they have these little microchips in there, and so it makes oh, sounds. Right, I, I, you got to hear it. You got to hear right. it. Be right back. Well, as Jimmy goes and retrieves his ornaments, or his ornaments, um, I'll say it is tough as a Star Wars fan to get, 
when you're a known Star Wars fan in your family, and they just make that mistaken assumption that you have everything, and you know they just go, ah, I, I can't. I don't want to take the risk of getting him something that he already has. So you just end up not getting anything. I'll tell you that I did get one Star Wars gift, and that is an official Rebel Force Radio coffee mug. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm loving this coffee mug. It's uh, uh, Jim uh, sent them out over the, the holiday break to uh, a few very select recipients. I was uh, lucky enough to be on there. Also, so they were very, very, very limited and a beautiful black, shiny coffee mug with the Rebel Force radio as a logo as uh, designed wonderfully by Paul Bateman uh, emblazoned on the side. And um, it gets it gets when you're sitting in the conference room at work, sipping your coffee out of that sucker, it gets some comments. It gets a few uh, questions asked. Rebel Force Radio, what's that? Well, let me tell you what Rebel Force Radio is. So, Jim, I was just saying that uh, the only Star Wars gift I received this year was the coffee mug from you. Rebel Force Radio coffee mug. Boy, aren't those nice. They are nice. And I was just explaining to the good folks just how limited they are. You know, just, you can't just go online and buy them, at least not now. Not now. Um, that but, could change. Uh, that could yeah, change. No, you never know. But. There'll, be, there'll be some information about that in the next few weeks. Mm. They're great coffee mugs. They are. They make your coffee taste better. You know that? They do. They, uh, they make everything taste better. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the ornament. When I took off to go get it, I tripped over my headphone cord, and I totally wiped out. <laughs> oh, jeez. But I, I do it because I love Star Wars. All right. All right. I got um, Hallmark ornaments. This year, Jawa Sandcrawler. It's awesome. Nice. Lights and sound? I think it makes some sounds. Yeah. That's not the one I want to shine the spotlight on. I also got the Boba Fett Lego minifig. Oh, nice. Uh, ornament. But the, my favorite one this year, and I have it with me, is called Rise of the Dark Lord. Or I think it's called Rise of Darth Vader. I don't know what they call it. Does it say on here? Right. Yeah, but I mean, it's that sequence from Revenge of the Sith. Oh, it is? Where Vader is on that operating table. Oh, he did that as an ornament? Yeah. No kidding. Nothing <laughs> says Christmas. Now, are the arms up or down? Down. Down. So just like down. in the film, not in the trailer. But the great thing about it, it has a little chip in it. So you can hear dialogue from the film. Oh. And I think it's real interesting the way, the way they did it because you just get the dry audio track of the dialogue. Really? No limited sound effects. Yeah. So it kind of plays out a little more interesting when you hear it without the music and everything. So here, I'm going to mic it. Okay. I'm going to let you hear it. This is the uh, 2014 Hallmark Rise of Darth Vader ornament. Lord Vader, can you hear me? Yes, master. Where is Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? It seems in your anger, you killed her. I, I couldn't have. She was alive. I felt it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, that's that's so wild. Do you feel that the James Earl lines at the beginning are alternate takes? Alternate takes of what? Of the dialogue. Not what's in the film. Can you hear me? Yes, master. No. Where is Padme? 
No, no that's from. Is she safe? Is she all right? Is she safe? Is she all right? Does not sound as it does in the movie in my mind. Yeah, maybe you're right. I couldn't have. <laughs> she was alive. I felt it. I like him breaking the stuff. It's the only. It's the only sound effect. <laughs> what a great gift! It is. Uh, it's awesome. I mean. That's the kind of stuff you just. So yeah, I just I have to say thank you, cousin Susie. She really comes through with the uh, every year. She gives me the Star Wars Christmas ornaments. Uh, See, she's figured it out, right? Oh, she's figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Instead of she, uh, he just has everything, I yeah. can't get him anything. She's like he's not going to go out and buy those ornaments, is what she's thinking, right? And and this is a woman who lives for Hallmark. So. Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So it's perfect. Um, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. But you know what? Let's do the voice comparison next week. Okay. Take the audio from the uh, ornament and we'll match it up with that from the film and we'll see if uh, there were some alterations made or if this is indeed a different take like you think. Because it does sound a little different when he says, uh, is she all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sounds a little different. A little bit. Uh, all right. So that's the... Uh that's how the holidays went down here at uh, our respective abodes. But we got lots to talk about here, including, uh, as I said, our spoiler segment coming up uh, in the program and uh, some celebration news, of course, as we enter the year of Star Wars 2015. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go Now, as Jimmy mentioned, yes, you can go to uh, the Shot Glass Digital website and check out the blog post about how you can spend New Year's Eve blowing up the Death Star. Um, but that's not all you're going to find there. You're going to find a bevy of fantastic programs available for you to download and listen to on or stream on your uh, device of choice, including uh, three relatively recent additions to the Rebel Force radio feed, including the long sought after final chapter in our celebrity commentary series with Sam Witwer, the revenge of the Sith commentary. Jim, we did it. Yeah. Finally, the, uh, the force was with us yeah. and we were able to record that incredible commentary that was, uh, once lost, but now it's been found. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, Sam and his wacky, uh, gang, of voices in his head joined yeah. us <laughs> for yeah. what was a fantastic, fantastic commentary. And of course, David Collins was along for the ride. And I think everyone heard what I was talking about. The chemistry between those two is just fantastic. And uh, their love for Star Wars is, is right there along with it. And uh, just a blast and getting some uh, really wonderful feedback from you guys. I uh, really uh, appreciate all the kind words you have to say about our commentary series. And it's something we're definitely going to continue. So if you have any sort of suggestions about maybe episodes of The Clone Wars you might want to hear us do, uh, things along that line uh, please uh, write us an email at show at rebelforceradio.com and maybe in the future we can all sit down and do it again well i was going to say we're really going to annoy the people in the movie theater at episode seven as we sit there and do our commentary 
Well, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's good. Boy, wouldn't it be great to have the theater filled with Rebel Force Radio listeners, yeah. all Star Wars fans, and uh, we're doing the commentary live while we're watching the film. And, and our sound is piped into the theater. That'd be great. That would be great. Totally, just, totally ruin their Star Wars Episode Seven experience. It has to be the first time they're seeing it, too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you well, did an episode of uh, Star Wars Collector's Cast also. I did. I talked figures with James Burns. <laughs> By the way, can they na- just rename the show that? Just F-I-G-G-A-S. Yeah, figures. Figures. So we talked a lot about figures. And uh, Steve Sansweet also was uh, part of the show. And uh, just really great to... Uh, to really, you know, get down and dirty about Star Wars collecting with James. And uh, we had a lot of fun. We talked about uh, various developments going on at Hasbro. We talked about the leak prototype figures from Star Wars Episode Seven, um, or I should say The Force Awakens. I've been pretty good about that. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, once I'm it's all still said, call it Episode Seven. It, once it's said and done, we'll be calling it Episode Seven. I hope so. But I got to admit, I don't refer to Empire as Episode 5, like, ever. That's true. I never refer to Jedi as Episode 6. But you do the prequels. I do the prequels, and I will, uh, you know, Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Uh, That doesn't sound foreign to me to say that. Hmm. But, uh, you know, growing up, it was always Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi, and that was it. Well, you kind of need that Episode 4, because when you say, oh, Star Wars... You know, when people say Star Wars, to me, I always think of Episode 4. That, that That's what they're referencing. Nowadays, I think of the whole saga. Yeah. 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 I, I like to be a little more specific by that. Because it gets old to say, the original. You know, it just Yeah, gets... right. Well, which original do you mean? <laughs> which original are you talking about, man? And speaking of David Collins, he also uh, joined you on Star Wars Oxygen, Volume 13. Yes. And indeed. where are you guys now on the... In your in your uh, analysis of the of the music of Star Wars, well, we just wrapped up the original trilogy. We uh, exhausted Return of the Jedi and uh, talked about everything from uh, the deleted scenes that we finally got to see on the uh, Blu-ray to uh, the final showdown between Luke and Vader, and uh, we talk a little bit about Jedi Rocks too, the uh, theme music to this here show. And uh, it's always great fun to talk to David. Uh, We go off on some tangents based on the storytelling happening in the film and how certain pieces of music evoke certain responses from us each and every time we watch the movie Mm. and how that evolves. So we find ourselves discovering things that we may have not considered aspects of the plot that we may have not considered based on our discussions of the music and how the music informs the storytelling. So it's a, it's a very, very, very enlightening conversation that I have with David every week because David, he's so, so well-schooled in music and in Star Wars, and he really does his homework and really understands what makes the music, the oxygen of Star Wars, work. And so uh, we just finished Jedi. We're going to be moving on now to the prequels, starting with The Phantom Menace and that great soundtrack featuring tracks like Duel of the Fates and uh, everything else. By the way, that just got, I don't know if you saw, but it got a vinyl release. Yes. Did it? The Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace just got a double album vinyl release. 
I know the Clone Wars got a vinyl release recently, but I wasn't aware of Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to double check on that. But uh, Phantom Menace vinyl, yeah, vinyl. Here it is. How wild. Yeah, well, there it is. You can check it out. There's a couple of YouTube reviews. Oh, great. Of, of it, uh, you, can, you can see. Yeah, it's, it's a limited run uh, put out by I Am Shark. And hmm. let's see. Two, only 2,000 of them were, were Wow. Well, that's really limited. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man. That's um, great if you're a, a music collector or a Star Wars collector. Pick that up. Vinyl's on the way back, man. I mean, they're... Big releases are tending to get, you know, at least a limited run of vinyl. I, I actually found myself over the holidays flipping through vinyl in a bin at uh, Barnes & Noble. Hmm. It's wild. Uh, it is wild. I mean, just the fact that vinyl releases are existing in the year 2015 in a store like Barnes & Noble, just the fact that bookstores existing in the year 2015. <laughs> right. It's a- it's a refreshing flashback. So, uh, very cool. Yeah. If so, if you're an audiophile, be on the lookout for the Phantom Menace on vinyl, and then uh, give it a spin. And join us next month on Star Wars Oxygen for Volume 14 when we start getting into that particular soundtrack. So, for now, you have the original trilogy uh, to uh, hear our analysis of uh, on every episode of Star Wars Oxygen including uh, Volume 13. We also talk a little bit about the music from the Force Awakens trailer, too. And David has a few cool things to say about that music. Ooh, very, very yeah. cool. Hey, before we uh, go any further, by the way, you can catch all of those on our Rebel Force Radio feed. You can subscribe through iTunes, or you can check out the website at shotglassdigital.com. I do want to m- take a moment and thank our first sponsor this week, audible.com. They've been with us for, for a long, long time. They were the original sponsor of the program, uh, even back when we were on the other show uh, many years ago. But they are still the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and they have uh, digital versions of over 200,000 titles um, mainly audio books but they also have newspapers and magazines that they'll just be read to you right then and there you can su- subscribe to these um, it's a it's a wonderful service it's a wonderful platform at audible.com and you of course can sync everything or stream everything to your uh, your mobile device uh, like I said, 200,000 titles to choose from, every genre. Uh, and if you're, of course, a Star Wars fan, you can catch up on all your legends. <clears throat> and, of course, the, the new stuff is, uh, is available, too. And they just always do a great job of, of capturing the Star Wars feeling in uh, audiobook format. And so here's what we'd like you to do. If you're new to Audible, we're going to give you a free audiobook download. Courtesy of us here at Rebel Force Radio and the good folks at Audible. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. That's audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. Sign up for a trial. You get a free book to choose from. You get to keep it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, And there's no obligation to continue and stay involved, but we know you'll want to. Um, Once again, audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. We thank them so much for their support of us here at Rebel Force Radio. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, more casting from Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And this was buzzing and popping all over the internet. The Raid Trio. Now, Jim, I know nothing about The Raid or The Raid 2. 
Nothing about this. So take me to school and tell me why this is so exciting, other than these guys obviously being really, really skilled martial artists, you can tell. All right. The original Raid film came out a few years ago. I I believe in uh, 2011. I want to say three or four years ago. And it's an Indonesian martial arts film. And it features some of the most insane and impressive and creative fight sequences. Hand-to-hand fight sequences that you'll ever see on celluloid. And it's definitely worth taking your time to check it out. Here in the States, they released the film as The Raid Redemption was what they called it. And it was followed up by a sequel, The Raid 2. And it features fight sequences that are mind-blowing, that really incorporate the environment, the rooms that they're in, uh, weapons, baseball bats, shards of glass. Um, So it's a Quentin Tarantino film. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) This is choreographed stunt fighting martial arts taken to probably the highest level I've ever seen on film. The Raid Redemption. Totally worth your time checking out, even if you can just find clips online of some of the best fights in the two films, uh, and it'll be worth your while. You'll be highly impressed by the, the skills these martial artists possess, and their screen presence in this film is is really something to be to be said about them. I mean, they they just fit the medium so well, and to hear that they're going to be brought on board. The Force Awakens, or they've already done probably considerable work on the film, either choreographing fights or providing themselves as to play characters in the film. We don't know exactly what level of contributions they're going to be making to The Force Awakens, but I, I got to tell you that uh, we have a lot to look forward to if these guys from the raid are involved in the film. And, um, we're talking, I, you know, I want to give them all the credit in the world here on Rebel Force Radio, but I just have so much trouble saying their names. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, uh, we're going to need uh, them to make video like Lupita Nyong'o did yes. of how to pronounce them. And, and I'm with you, you know, I, I, I we'll go with uh, Iko Uweis. Okay. Um, Yayan Ruin. Nice, nice. And um, yeah, Sisep Arif Rahman. Rahman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, credited uh, as the assassin. Yes, I recognize uh, all three of these gentlemen from the films, and uh, they are truly dynamic on screen. And the way they are able to package these choreographed martial arts battles is—it's uh, nothing short of mind blowing. Like I said, very interesting to see how these guys and their skills are going to be incorporated into the film. Definitely on the level of a Ray Park and his involvement in episode one. We should expect something that profound as far as what these guys will be able to bring on screen in The Force Awakens. Well, and there has been no comment from the actors themselves or their representatives uh, or from Lucasfilm or Disney, but uh, this is just all over the Internet. And so i got to tell you why. i got to tell you why this rumor has legs. It was originally posted by Todd Brown on TwitchFilm.com. Todd Brown is a producer on The Raid Films, on both of them. All right. <laughs> so he knows these gentlemen and is probably well aware of their affairs. I don't know if a third raid film is 
in pre-production right now, but I, I, I think judging by the success of the first two films, I think that uh, that could be likely. So this guy would know what these guys are up to and what their schedules are all about. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to, to have three guys whose work is so well known for the, the Raid films now coming over to The Force Awakens. And uh, we're just being made aware of this now. Uh, they could have been working on The Force Awakens for a year and a half, <laughs> two right. years at this point. Um, but uh, it's really cool to hear that. Also, they're going with this level of talent to bring you action sequences on film. Because, you know, in the old days, you'd, you'd lean on CGI sequences um, or a lot of Hollywood magic to make the action happened to, to bring the combatants to the, to have such a dynamic fight on screen. But these guys, they do it the real deal and they do it the martial arts way. And it's going to be a, a re- it's just really, it is very exciting news. That's why I think it's blowing up on the web so much because you can't underestimate the, the type of talent that these men possess. Well, uh, how about James Bond? This how- is a rumor that has been, <laughs> it's been around for a while ever since, um, you know, there, there were a number of well-known celebs that uh, visited the set. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe from the Harry Potter films. Uh, Daniel Craig was also on that list. And ever since, it has been um, rumored that he would be playing some sort of role. Well, multiple sources, including making Star Wars and Mike the Film Guy, um, are saying that, that this is more than a rumor. This is absolutely true that. Uh, Daniel Craig will be playing a stormtrooper in the movie. Now, they don't say whether or not he plays a helmetless stormtrooper, so you, you may never know. Um, and he may not even have any dialogue. We don't know. But one thing is um, certain is that these, all the, again, all these sources are claiming that it's uh, that James Bond, Daniel Craig will be, in, will be in the film. It makes a lot of sense that Daniel Craig would be hanging around Pinewood Studios. Of course. They're on the 007, uh, you know, home for the 007 films. Uh, but, you know, it, look, uh, it's Sam Jackson, big actor, back pr- prior to Phantom Menace, said he would do anything. He'd be a stormtrooper. Put a helmet on me. You don't even have to know it's me. I'll do anything. And so maybe uh, Daniel Craig was this feeling the same way. Well, here's, here's how I believe this went down. And I think it's more or less a case of Craig being in the right place at the right time. And... This is how it all shakes out. When The Force Awakens stopped production, when they were done filming and the crew broke up, they all went together to work on the next film, which is the 007 film Spectre. And then once Spectre wraps, they're going to stick around Pinewood and the same crew will work on the next Star Wars film, which most likely will be the standalone film that Gareth Edwards is directing. So what happened was this crew that's all working on Spectre as well as The Force Awakens were tapped to play stormtroopers, to be extras in scenes, to flesh out these scenes with lots of stormtroopers. Craig gets wind of this from a crew member and says, you all are going to be playing stormtroopers. Well, I want in on this. (laughs) I'm like, well, sure, mate. Yeah, come on. So they suit up Craig and it's not going to be anything. He's, he's probably not going to get any credit for the role. You'll probably have to be told where to look to see him. Mm -hmm. If he's even noticeable on screen at all. 
but Daniel Craig being a proud member of the star Wars generation, like he is, couldn't resist the opportunity to play a stormtrooper just to suit up. And so he was out there with all the crew members, just one of the guys. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's, he's involved a little more extensively than that. I don't know, but I doubt it. Yeah. I think it was just one of those things, you know, fulfill one of those bucket list dreams, your fanboy bucket list, play a stormtrooper in star Wars. Any kid who grew up in the seventies wanted to be a stormtrooper. You know, there's no 501st that existed back in those old days. It was just a dream. Right. So that's major wish fulfillment going on for Daniel Craig, you know. So I think it was more or less him being in the right place at the right time. I don't think Daniel had to lobby for anything. I don't think no. he had to. I don't, I don't think <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, uh, when you're Daniel Craig and you're also part of one of the biggest film franchises of all time, yeah, I don't think you have to really uh, beg. But with this intermingling of the British crew between the Star Wars films and the 007 films, you know, Craig's just one of the guys and wanted to be included, I think, is how it all I came. Like this. I like that scenario that you painted. Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's good. All right, here's, this is not a rumor. We do know that Andy Serkis is in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, and uh, he was interviewed recently about his role and the limited things that that he could say. And um, this piece is the 10 things Andy Serkis can say about The Force Awakens. Yeah, he talked to Entertainment Weekly. Is that an e-weekly story? Okay. Yeah, so they were able to to squeeze a a few questions and answers out of it. I thought the first one was fascinating, Jim, and I I think you probably were interested in this too. Yes. You know, as we know, Andy Andy Serkis' voice is heard in the trailer, the only voice that's heard in the trailer, the only dialogue in the teaser, and uh, I, I just assumed that that was, you know, a, a uh, that that voice was if, if it was circus. I mean, you really had to uh, kind of make some adjustments to where we could make it sound like Andy Circus. And we're being told that it's entirely organic, that that's his voice. There's no digital manipulation. That's just him. I don't buy it for a second. I mean, maybe he believes that. I mean, maybe he really believes that. But I don't think for a second. I, I, I think his voice was pitched down considerably and may have been run through a vocal harmonizer. But the reason I believe that is because when I pitched up the voice, it actually did sound like Andy. You don't now, think he can pitch that down himself to that level? Like no. what we hear McDermott doing? No. Although and McDermott I, was definitely they enhanced. Give, they give him help, too. Yeah. Ian gets help along the way, too. Don't kid yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I'm not saying that Andy is BSing. He might honestly believe that, but I don't believe it for a second. And it's definitely a question that's going to be proposed to a Mr. Matthew Wood. And uh, I'll try to get an answer out of Matt on that one. Ah. Um, Circus, there, there, there were rumors that he may play more than one character, but he has actually confirmed that he is only playing one character. Yeah, there was a rumor going around that he could be playing multiple characters in the film. Obviously, being um, an actor who specializes in motion capture performances, 
uh, yeah, he can easily play more than one character in the film. But uh, it's good to hear that a guy of his stature and talent is only going to be playing one character because I'd like him to, to, to be focused on that one character and provide the best possible performance he can provide. Uh, the voice that we hear um, as this this uh, story calls it weary, the weary voice we hear in the trailer. <laughs> That's my uh, voice tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> about, I, I do. Like I said, I, it's that time of year. And I just uh, am I, I'm a little uh, got a little throat, a little. Throat. They, yeah. they, they ask if this character has seen some action, some harsh action in the galaxy. Circus said that he has to be very careful. About how he answers these types of questions, he says, uh, but the character has been through some stuff. Yeah. I like it. I mean, um, if I can, I just would like to speculate on the, the, the importance of Circus's character, I believe, will have on the film. And it's like looking at a ne- negative image in the mirror. On one side, you have Yoda. And Yoda was this ancient master of the Jedi arts that uh, nobody knew was still around, uh, very old, very ancient, very experienced, very wise. And he took under his, under his umbrella Luke Skywalker and trained Luke to be the next Jedi, the only Jedi as far as we know, the guy to bring the Jedi back. Now I believe with The Force Awakens, what we're looking at is, again, like I said, the negative image in the mirror. You have Yoda looking in the mirror, and then on the other side you have this character that Circus is going to play. He is the Yoda of the new trilogy, but he's a dark side Yoda. And he's going to be training, who I believe, I believe Adam Driver's character, will come under the tutelage of Circus's ancient, mysterious, and previously unknown character who will train the next generation in the Sith ways to bring back the Sith. Much like Yoda trained Luke to bring back the Jedi, Circus is going to be training Driver to be a Sith. So he will be like the negative reflection of Yoda in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's speculation. I think it's a great I think that's a great bit of speculation. That's actually. all I mean and that's all just like coming out of my head. And we've seen Evil Yoda. It's wishful thinking. We have seen Evil Yoda in the Clone Wars Lost Missions. Could we be seeing something like that character? Just you know, a little bit insane? Maybe a little wise? Maybe? Uh, I don't know. But that's, that's like wishful fanboy thinking on my part. So I don't think we can actually qualify that as a spoiler. <laughs> Right. Because I'm making well, it up. I'm just yeah, making it, it up. Yeah, you're just throwing it out there. Yeah. I think I, I, that's, that's an important distinction to, to mention here before you, you know, write your post on Facebook or uh, send us the email. Um, there is a difference between spoiler and just speculation. And uh, we don't need to preface speculation, I don't think. Um, the, the, all smart money is, is on the fact that He's going to be playing a character that's rendered through um, motion capture. Um, but Circus won't confirm that. He says, I, I can't say a single thing about that. I'm sorry. These things will all come out in the fullness of time. <laughs> this one's my favorite. <laughs> will Circus's character lead a, quote, group of unbelievably athletic and acrobatic motion capture characters? 
Uh, <laughs> this was a report from Jedi News, and uh, <laughs> Circus laughed about that one uh, and gave it an eyeball roll. <laughs> said, I'm not leading a band of gymnasts or acrobats. So he was able to confirm that he is not leading a band of gymnasts. I love how Jedi News gets thrown under the bus right there. With the eye roll. With the eye roll. Big laugh out of circus along with a sustained eye roll. So so he held it for a little while. And he was was thinking about James Burns and just like rolling... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, we love the guys at Jedi News. Oh, did the movie have a different subtitle at one point? Uh, we all remember In It Cool News uh, this past summer talking about the ancient fear as being the uh, the title. Some thought maybe that was the working title. And uh, he claims, no, it's always been Episode 7 to this point. And then I knew it was called The Force Awakens. It's very pertinent. Pertinent. Circus was not present when Harrison Ford broke his leg when a door on the Millennium Falcon malfunctioned. He says, no, I wasn't there, but I did talk to him about it, and it was all dealt with very seamlessly, so it's all cool, and he's fully recovered. He came back pretty quick. Um, were people more cautious around uh, Harrison after that? He said, I would think so. <laughs> Um, question about spies all over the set trying to catch a glimpse of the film. He said people were flying drones over the walls to see what's going on. He says the secrecy is not about wanting to withhold from fans. It's about not wanting to spoil anything for anyone, unlike us here at Rebel Force Radio. Uh, the ex- expectation is massive, and nobody wants to ruin it in any way. I think that's right. No one wants to, by saying the wrong thing or being misleading, you don't want to dilute it. And finally, he'll be getting an action figure. He says, that, I hope. I'd better, he says. <laughs> so he wants that action figure. His character is definitely shrouded in mystery. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's more like a wave two action figure, you know, where they want to sort of maybe keep keep his uh, look and his his presence a little buried until the film comes out. That's just the vibe I'm getting from the character Andy Serkis is playing. Well, that's not the only thing that uh, Hasbro is going to be hiding this year. Uh, in fact, they might be hiding all the action figures. Uh, this was a story from Jedi News. In fact, it was a it was a press release that it looks like uh, was uh, sent out by Hasbro and hit a lot of the different uh, toy fan sites. Because with Toy Fair coming up, of course, everybody is thinking, oh, we're going to get a glimpse, a legitimate glimpse, an official glimpse of the toys from um, Episode 7. It's a big year. But they're saying not so fast. In fact, they say with Toy Fair approaching and Hasbro's annual entertainment brand preview day, Scheduled for Saturday, February 14th, we wanted to reach out and clarify what Hasbro's Star Wars presence will entail. As usual, we'll be exhibiting a variety of fun and exciting Star Wars products across its portfolio of brands. Blah, 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 blah. There will be no toys based on Star Wars The Force Awakens, a.k.a. Star Wars Episode Seven, shown at Toy Fair this year. So what do you think, Jason? Is Toy Fair... Too soon? Is February too soon to be debuting these? Or are they looking for a better platform like a Star Wars Celebration or San Diego Comic-Con? What, what, what do you think the deal is? Why, why we're not seeing at least a few Force Awakens figures at Toy Fair? I just have a feeling, I, you know, I don't know anything. I don't know the inside here, but I just, I just don't think that you can point your finger at and, 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 and look at the distribution problems that they've had. And, you know, given the amount of big name properties that they're working with, like the Avengers, 
and the the Marvel stuff. I just think that there's there are problems. I don't think that the that the figures are ready. I would not be a bit surprised if Mr. Secret himself, J.J. Abrams, um, was making things less than easy for the licensees. Um, otherwise, I think we'd be getting a glimpse. I, I really do think we'd be getting a glimpse. Something. Now, if we find out that they have stuff on display, but it's only for... You know, uh, a very select few group of, you know, merchant representatives and retail folks and buyers and all of that, um, then I'll feel a little bit better about it. But if there's no reports of that, then I think we'll know that that something's up because they I mean, we know there's prototypes. We've seen photos of the prototypes. Um, But, yeah, I just don't think that you can say, oh, they're just having distribution problems. I I think if you look at Hasbro's story, they're having um, problems throughout the throughout the company is it problems with the general manufacturer of the the toys i mean well i go <laughs> i i it could be that like i said it could be the secrecy that's involved um it could be that the fact that maybe star wars toys aren't selling as well as we would like them to be you know it's a much different time uh you know gosh i've got a two-year-old and a six-year-old and um, you know, my six-year-old is already wanting electronic stuff and, you know, not so much into the dolls and the, and the figures. And I know she's a girl, but she's not into that as much. And um, it'll be interesting to see how my son, I got my son a bat cave. Actually, my mother got my son a, a, a Fisher-Price bat cave because he was, I won't get into that. No, but, it's a good call, though. <laughs> he was playing a lot with a floating palace playset oh. of his sisters, and I and I, you know, hey, I'm, I'm look, I played with dolls all my life. I'm not saying anything, but I, so I'm playing with that, and I'm like, geez, you know, maybe he's playing with that because he doesn't have any other options. It's a cry for help. It is. So my mom called and she said, "Well, I need another one more idea for Parker," and I said, uh, "Bat Cave." It's like the first thing that came to me because Fisher Price makes those great play sets, uh, the Imaginext X line, and I said, like, "Bat Cave." He needs a Bat Cave. Um, so anyway, um, but I had, the old, I had the old Mego Bat Cave when I was a kid, and it was my all-time favorite toy. I don't know who was more excited about the Bat Cave, me or my son. I, I was. <laughs> so now you know our nighttime routine is let's go play Bat Cave before yes. you go to bed. Uh, but yeah, I, I I I just wonder. I don't know. It's it's a whole combination of things. I've always had this feeling in the back of my mind that over the last you know five years or so that that action figures in general just haven't been selling as well in the kid market in the kid market and not that's not to say that you know the breaking bad action figures that were banned from toys r us didn't didn't sell and the collector's market doesn't move these these toys but i i just have this feeling that you know it's um it's a different time so I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of different po- reasons for this. And it could be just as simple as, yeah, it's too early. But too early for who? And we've seen some of these characters. There's an official trailer out. So why not have an early bird kit out there on display with those characters that we've seen from the trailer? I, I don't get it. That makes me think there are production issues. Hmm. But 
I, I tend to lean more on the side of they just want to keep it under wraps for now, and they know how, you know, once somebody sees something from Star Wars, it's going to be out there, it's going to be viral, we'll be talking about it, and they just want to minimize that until bigger events like Star Wars Celebration and San Diego Comic-Con. Do you think we'll get a, a an early bird offer on a figure, a mail-away of some sort, a la Mace Windu, Phantom Menace? Gosh, I hope so. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe those figures we saw the prototypes of, Kylo Ren, Kira, Finn, and BB-8. Uh, we've come to the determination that in addition to those figures, we also saw the Chewbacca. And keep in mind, these are all the six-inch line. Right, right. These are the larger figures. Mm-hmm. But, but we believe that that Chewbacca was put in there for scale purposes only because it looks like the already existing Chewbacca figure. So uh, you, you can't really jump to any conclusions based on the placement of that figure. But I, uh, but most most guys are, are speculating it's it's in there for scale purposes. By the way, Hasbro kind of closes this letter out by saying, you know, we know a lot of you are making your travel plans to come out and see these uh, Star Wars figures, but they're not going to be there, so you might want to reconsider. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they're saying. Don't come out here thinking you're going to see Star Wars Episode Seven toys because you're not. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good for them to give people the heads up, you know. Now, all of this secrecy and, yeah, the um, the product rundown has been leaked. Hasbro. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> um, so now the, the, the product rundown that's being uh, distributed out there they're being very, very cautious. Uh, so you're just seeing things like, you know, a figure assortment, figure two-pack assortment, figures snow desert. Now, does snow that mean a de- snow desert or does that mean snow and desert? What does that mean? Those are two uh, words you don't normally see together, snow no. desert. No, wet desert. I don't, I, yeah, I don't get it. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that it's snow and desert because we, we've, we've, we've seen a, snow, a desert planet and we have rumors of a snow planet. So I'm thinking it's, it's both of those. And you got your deluxe and all of that. But I, th- down at the bottom of the list, there was one thing that jumped out at me. Um, let's see. A Black Series 6-inch Starfighter. That's going to be a pretty big ship if it's within scale of the 6-inch figures. Wow. Uh, a a, a Starfighter. Uh, micro Machines. I didn't even know they still made Micro Machines. They don't. Well, Micro Machines are coming back. Sounds like they're coming back. Also, I want to point out something else that's on this list is the good old Galactic Heroes. Sounds like they're coming back. Galactic Heroes? I didn't see that. Just uh, let, me, let me scroll and find it here for you. Micro Machines on the list. Hero Mashers. Hero Mashers. Those are interesting. What are those? Are those what you oh. thought? No. I saw an early Galactic Hero? List. I saw a list that said Galactic Hero. I'm looking at this list. I don't see Galactic Heroes. Hmm. I did not see... I don't believe I saw Hero Mashers on the original list I saw. Maybe it was uh, uh, fixed. Maybe it was originally reported as Galactic Heroes and then came back. Because they have a new line. Uh, you know, they sort of replaced the Galactic Heroes, which is the... They're a little, little bigger. I think they're called Jedi Force, and I, yeah. I think they're really – I think kids buy them. I, I don't think that uh, older collectors purchase those at all. Not like they did the Galactic Heroes. Those were insanely popular. 
because they they made everybody. They're you know. Um, but here's one that jumped out at me, Jim. See if the see see if you think there's any um, um, fire to this smoke. Uh, Darth Vader voice change mask. Yeah. This is in the rundown of Hasbro products for Episode Seven. Um, right there with the Chewbacca electronic mask, the lead villain electronic mask, which they don't mention his name, obviously. Um, the villain trooper blaster. So all of the role play stuff. Darth Vader voice change mask. Does that mean we're going to see Darth Vader in Episode 7? The Darth Vader voice change mask has been around for several years now and has been repackaged a million different ways. I assume it's a very good seller for Hasbro. But it specifically does say Episode 7. So it just begs the question, (laughs) will we be seeing Darth Vader on screen in Episode 7? And there's been a lot of rumors about that sort of thing. Uh, that we can neither confirm nor deny. But, um, you know, I'm 50-50 on that one. I think it could just be a repackaging of a best-selling item for Hasbro that uh, they can just keep milking for more money and uh, any opportunity to put it on the shelf and make it look fresh, they're going to go for it. Or it could be a legitimate indication that we're going to be seeing Vader in The Force Awakens. What if it's that damaged, burnt, mask that we've seen the uh, leaked photo of. (laughs) Battle damaged. Vader changing voice changing helmet. (laughs) Still changes your voice. It's damaged but it still changes your voice. Well that's it. That's the rundown um, of uh, the stuff coming out of Hasbro so you're not going to see it at uh, Toy Fair but you'll probably see it on an internet near you. Who published that list? Uh, The Rebel Scum. Rebel scum. Yeah. I'm digging around on Rebel scum. You go dig, and I'm going to talk about Dorkside Toys. Well, I just want to say, I'm, oh, not yeah. see, I'm not seeing the list posted anywhere. They must have been asked to, to remove the list. Really? And I'm telling you, I saw the list with Galactic Heroes on it originally. Well, see, now oh. I want to click the, the story here. Uh, oh, no, it's still there. Oh, it is. It's still there. How come is it something maybe posted in their forums? Because it no, doesn't appear no, to be. It's, it's, a, it's a top story here. What the heck? Um, Galactic. That's weird. Oh, I'm in their news archive. Why am I there? I don't know. Is that where I should be? I don't know. I'm having so much trouble negotiating around this site. Well, while you do that, I do want to talk about Dorkside Toys. They're our uh, second sponsor uh, on the show this week, and we just we love these guys. They're the best. When you're talking about. Toys, whether it be Hasbro or any of the other great licensees, uh, they've got you covered there at Dorkside for all the latest Star Wars action figures. Lowest prices around. The Black Series, the Saga Legends, the Mission Series, the Master Effects, the Fabrications, and those, uh, I love those Star Wars, those pop Star Wars vinyl figures. All those pop vinyl figures are really, really fun. Um, Check them out, DorksideToys.com. And here's the thing we'd like you to do. Go to ShotGlassDigital.com. That's our website. And click on the Dorkside banner. You'll find it right there. And um, they'll know that you came through us here at Rebel Force Radio. And uh, that, that makes them happy. That makes us happy. So buy up your toys. But make sure you click through that Dorkside banner at ShotGlassDigital.com. And um, you're not going to be disappointed when you order stuff from them. It just comes in the most pristine uh, uh, way you can, you can imagine. They're just beautifully packaged. And they take such great care. And uh, they always write me little notes. 
I don't know if they write that. Do they do that for everybody? But they always write me nice little notes in my box they and do. put it in there. Yeah, they do. What are they? What kind of notes? What are they? Like, say? like, thanks, Jason. Love the show. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't get any notes in my boxes. I'm dark side. This, this is going to have to change. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'm just good stuff. Wrong. I always like that. I just like that little uh, personal touch. But at any rate, so Dorkside Toys, we love those guys. Lord Vader. Yes, Master. Rise. Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. All right, only 14 weeks away, April 16th through the 19th in 2015. It's finally the year of celebration, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim, and that's in the Anaheim Convention Center, California. We've got a big announcement that uh, just hit, actually, as we record this show online, about the sequel to Smuggler's Gambit, which was really a, a, an absolute showstopper at the last Star Wars Celebration. And uh, we've got the, uh, the two writers, as well as the audio effects engineer, producer, uh, with us right here to talk about it. we got Kyle Newman and F.J. DeSanto joining us to talk about the big news that was announced uh, at StarWars.com. Kyle, F.J., congratulations, guys. I mean, I knew that this was probably coming, but it's so great to see it official. Yeah, we are. We're thrilled. I mean, we the minute we finished the other one, we started talking about it. We're like, wow, we have to do another one. We had such it was such an exhilarating experience being on stage and doing that. I mean, FJ wasn't there, but we let him know what he missed. And and Jimmy, and <laughs> we're, how I mean, how exciting uh, rub that, that is. Kyle, do you remember? I, I th- this is one of my most vivid memories of the last Star Wars celebration. We were we were in the room where the the event was going to take place. Uh, the room was clear. You guys were getting set up, and there was a moment you came over and you said to me, "You're like, can you go and round up everybody from TFN and Rebel Scum? Like, you really didn't know that anybody was going to show up to this thing. Like, you had this moment of doubt, and then you come out, and the it was standing room only. <laughs> I didn't know because I mean, celebration. There's so many events going on, and people, you know, there, it's just. There's not enough time in the day to do and see everything. So I was – wait, that line's for us? Holy moly. I, I was just so surprised and people kept pouring in and and I was just so pleased because whenever you spend a lot of time working on something, which we really did on that, prepping it, um, you, you just want to make sure people see it and experience it, hear it. And that was the most rewarding thing was bringing it to life – with all those great actors in front of an audience. And it was like a Prairie Home Companion Star Wars with, you know, the live effects by Jimmy and time just right and music interludes. And, and the audience reaction was, uh, it, it was stellar. I was just so blown away by it. And it was such a fun experience. I mean, I was just laying down on the front and the floor and I was smiling. The audience was, was just having a ball and the actors on stage were, were just, Skintillating. It was great. I mean, it was. I, I was just happy to be a, a part of it. I would have been happy if I was in the audience for it. So I was like, we got to do more of this because there's there's a clear desire for it on the part of fans. There's a gaping hole at Celebration in the live, new, 
kind of Star Wars entertainment and there's a lot of retrospective stuff which is which is great and informative and you see some incredible people but it was good to do something new you didn't know what you were going to get and I think that's what FJ and I and Jimmy set out to do and that seemed like we got a great response and immediately Lucasfilm was like that was great and we talked way back about doing another one and the idea kind of simmered for a while and we all knew we were going to do it. It was just a matter of like when we were going to officially get started and we you know, bounced the idea around forever and kind of you know, the rough plot and now we're deep in it and it's coming, it's coming together fast and fun. SJ, how do you, how do you write such a, is, is it hard to write a, a star Wars story that, you know, you don't have a lot of time. You got maybe no. 30 minutes or whatever. How do you pack all those star Wars isms in, 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 you know, 35, 40 pages of script. It's hard. I mean, we go back, we were just doing this this morning. We were, you know, it, it gets really difficult, you know, because there's so much we want to do and you have to shape it for that format. So you have to write very differently than you would for a comic or a screenplay or something like that. But I think at this point we, we sort of have the rhythm down of how to, uh, you know, entertain this audience. So I think, um, I think this time we're going to have something, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun for everybody, um, get a lot of laughs and, you know, get a really good reaction. But it, but it, it, it is hard. It went off last time very smoothly and without any, any real rehearsal on the, on the extended cast. You know, we did, some, we did some prep stuff with Jimmy and, and David Collins, who is Han Solo, um, just to kind of get the, the, the general – timing the spine of it in place but um everything else was kind of happening live but now there's a confidence about it and we think we can get like uh not that it's more dramatic of a story but there's just a little more a little more meat to it and it can be a little bit longer and we know what we can pull off and how far we can go with things and um that's what's exciting it's that seeing all those elements come together live on the day for like a one-time only experience and there should be a lot of people in this room so it's going to be it's going to be a lot of pressure but it's i I think it's going to be um a very unique celebration experience it it is totally it's it's totally unique and i like that you mentioned about it's live it's one time only because i i know you guys chances are like the last one will be be released for download but there's something so special about witnessing it live and it it harkens back jim to that classic uh, old-time radio, and you're kind of working without a net. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, and that's what inspired this in the first place, is old-time radio. It's it's a dying art. It, and, and to be able to have the talent on stage working within such an awesome realm, that is Star Wars, it's, it's, it's so rewarding to see that we can take one of the oldest forms of electronic entertainment, the radio drama, and be able to perform it in front of an audience in 2015, an audience has been raised on video games and television and the internet and every, everything under the sun that we have at the tip of our fingers as far as technology goes. And then you know what we do is we say, hey, we're going to take it back. We're going to take you back to another time when this is how you would hear a story. This is how you would, you would get your chapters of 
whatever you were a big fan of back in the day. You know, think back to the 40s. Kids would sit in front of the radios waiting for the Lone Ranger to come on and Adventures of Superman. And that's what we're doing is we're yeah. bringing that to a modern audience. And there are very few places in this world where you can go to actually see that happen with the level of professionalism and talent that we get up on that stage. And then plus it gives me a great opportunity to drop in the Wilhelm scream at just the right moment. <laughs> I wrote that in today. Well, you did. <laughs> yeah, you'll see where it's going to go. Well, screen. Jimmy, did you ever count how many characters you actually played in the last one? No, I didn't. I mean, I well, obviously Chewbacca, right, <laughs> and R two, but all the but all the vehicles and um, the atmospheric effects and the guns just... and sound transitions. I mean, you you don't have the luxury of any visual. So when you're writing, you can't say Princess Leia gets up. Um, right, right. It all has to be communicated by what they're doing in their voice spatially or uh, what they're saying that's letting you intone that this character is now leaving a scene or this character is coming or that's the end of it. Or the sound now, we, we move from a place where it sounds very indoor and suddenly we are outdoor. And now what indicates that is speeders whizzing by and we're obviously not in indoor space and, and the ambience has changed. And now the characters may be out of breath and we know they've ran. So there's these ways you have to indicate um, movement and location shifts. It's an incredible challenge as a writer because there are no defaults to visuals. We're like, oh, they're going to be able to tell this with this visual. And just because these two characters are standing far apart, we're going to know that there's distance between. No, that doesn't exist. It's it's all got to be right there in their voice or in the lack of sound. It's all about how you shape sound. And it is an old art form, but it's something, you know, what I love is Star Wars is translatable into so many different forms of media. And it was always synonymous with audio. It took audio to another dimension. Uh, The Brian Daly stuff is some of the greatest Star Wars ever recorded. Um, I love those radio dramas and they hold a special place. And Star Wars should be translated into into this uh, audio format. And I, I love to even listen to audiobooks, you know. And if, if you're into that, I think this is a whole other level of it because it's not one person reading it. Um, you do have a narrator and you do have um, – we have an announcer in it too. But we also have an individual person for every character bringing them to life. But there is no um, – there's no one reading prose, you know what I mean? It's all coming from performance. And so having great actors up there like David Collins as Han Solo and James Arnold Taylor in a mystery role and Sam Witwer in a new role and Jamie King in a new role and there are so many other surprise guests coming that I think are going to you know, just blow people away. I th- it, our idea is to open it up a little bit beyond what we were doing last time and get some non-Star Wars faces down in Anaheim and at a Star Wars celebration. So we'll see what goes on, you know. But it's that's what's exciting is that, yeah, this is an old format, but it's one that we all love. And we get to tell Star Wars in it. And, yeah, there will be an edited version that comes out with, you know, cleaned up and stuff. But there is nothing like live. And if there's one thing, I, I promise you, if you're like, what's the one thing you don't want to miss – it would be this because we're also taking all three stage hosts, which I think is first other than like an opening ceremonies and bringing them all together for, for a super show. And Jason 
maybe you're gonna what? get out. You better be there. I, I'm gonna have to be minding the the behind the scenes stage. We were gonna write you a character. I mean, this all kind I mean, of no started. one will be there to see whatever I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> I just sit there and talk to myself. <laughs> Jason suggested this back in the day, and it evolved into this. So Jason has to. I'll has be there. To, I'll be to. there. Uh, FJ, save me the time and the expense of sending drones over to your house. Um, can you? What can you tell us about the story? I can't. I don't want to give it up. I just it it, it touches on some things that happen. Start calling the, you JJ DeSanto here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, in my mystery box, I Han refuse. Solo is not Han Solo. Yes, it turns out this is <laughs> actually Aaron Paul. He's not playing um, Han Solo. Is he played by Cumberbatch? He's it, Harrison it, Ford is not playing Han Solo. <laughs> it's, no, it's a fact. <laughs> It says it on one of my little cards. <laughs> we have a whole new cast. Yeah. In terms of new characters and stuff like that. Um, one thing I will start talking about is we have a really cool opening action sequence that involves Han, Luke, Chewie, and Rogue Squadron. That's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, and it is, it is a Han Solo story. I mean, yeah, that, it's, that, it's, it's another Han Solo story. It's got a lot of laughs. Um, uh, they go someplace. Uh, I'm trying to do this without spoiling it, so you don't have to hit the spoiler alert thing. The the <laughs> they go Han and Chewie go someplace that they probably shouldn't be allowed to go to. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And I mean that in a very entertaining way. And this is a very all audience thing. I mean, it. We want a three year old to be able to come into the audience. And listen to it and close their eyes and get it. It's not it's not written in a way to be deep literary stuff. It's written in a very it's fast, popcorn. fun, popcorn, exhilarating thing. So it's it's very different than like a novel being read, which is, is a decompressed story. This is it it's it's quick and fun. I mean that's how you describe it. And it's not incredibly deep. But, you know, it should have the voice and the feel of Star Wars. And so everybody from three to 300 should be able to come and have a ball. And Jim, I mean, if you like the last one, if, if, if people listen to the last one, if they haven't already, you'll get a sense of it. I, I think this one, it will be, you know, just as entertaining, if not more, and have all those classic, hit all those classic Star Wars beats. Jim, for those that haven't uh, heard it, where can where can they go to hear the the, the Smuggler's Gambit from uh, the last celebration. Is that available? Well, there are a couple places, actually. You can go to StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit, and uh, it's been posted up there for the last few years. Also, we have it at ShotGlassDigital.com as well, and uh, there is a uh, a landing page for Smuggler's Gambit there as well, where I think eventually I'd like to turn that into a place for all things smugglers. But uh, before we wrap up, I, I do want to – reveal a little something about the story because it was posted to starwars.com and I'm assuming this came from you guys, but it says the story. And then there's a little blurb here and I'm going to try. I forgot we did that. I'm going to (laughs) try my, my best. (laughs) I led you right into it. FJ. (laughs) So here we go. Here's my best Tom Kane and I have a cold. So we'll see how well this goes. After learning of, (laughs) there it goes. It just went. 
After learning a valuable lesson in Smuggler's Gambit, Han Solo and Chewbacca find themselves, for better or worse, fully committed to the Rebellion. However, while dispatched on a vital diplomatic mission on behalf of Princess Leia, Han, determined to finally wipe his hands clean of Jabba the Hutt, tempts fate by mixing his past and present, only to watch it backfire. Trapped in a dangerous situation, Han is shocked to discover that an old flame may be their only hope for survival. So, wow, it sounds like we have a threes company situation going on here. <laughs> you don't even know. You don't even know. I don't, and that's what's exciting about this. Can't wait to get the script so I can really start sinking my teeth into it. And like I said, placing that Wilhelm scream in just the right spot. You'll know. Yeah, You'll it's know. Really, Ch- Chewbacca and Mala need to get to marriage counseling, and Han has to take them across <laughs> the galaxy together. Oh, no. Spoiler we'll get alert. you to that Spoiler marriage counselor. <laughs> Hit the spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, guys, this is going to be great. Uh, thank you again uh, so much. We know we'll have you back here later on in the program to uh, uh, FJ. You wanted to stick around for our, our, our spoiler uh, segment where we uh, set the clock for 15 minutes and we, and we go. So, uh, Kyle, hopefully you have time to join us. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we'll be back for that in just a few minutes. But we got more celebration news to talk about. But we'll, we'll let you guys go for now. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Talk soon. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Smuggler's Gambit, a new Star Wars audio adventure. Written and directed by Kyle Newman. Co-written by F.J. DeSanto. And produced by Rebel Force Radio's Jimmy Mack. Recorded live at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. Hunter choice! Smuggler's Gambit stars David Collins as Han Solo and features the talented cast of The Clone Wars, including Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Matthew Wood, Matt Lanter, Claire Grant, and Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. Hey, who's shooting at us? Leave so soon, Solo. Shields, Chewie! I said shields, Chewie! Hear Smuggler's Gambit, a Han Solo adventure for free. And watch the behind-the-scenes video at StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. We should have left after the Death Star, huh, Furface? That's StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. All right, Jason, let's give away Little Debbie each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio. We are giving away galactic snack packs from your favorite snack provider, Little Debbie. We're talking Nutty Bars, Cloud Cakes, and our favorite, Cosmic Cupcakes. Each and every week, we ask you to hit the social network scene and let everyone know about Little Debbie and Rebel Force Radio. This week, I spotted a tweet on the old tweeter, or Twitter. I spotted a tweet on Twitter. <laughs> I tweeted. Well, there are a lot of twits on Twitter. I tweeted a tweet on Twitter. <laughs> tweeted. Twits. Okay. I thought I saw a tweet on Twitter. This is from Star Wars hockey fan FL. So I assume this is a big is that hockey Filoni? fan. Florida. In Florida. Maybe oh, no. it's okay. for Filoni. FL. Yeah, no, that'd be PA, not Starting FL. Filoni. But um, uh, Star Wars hockey fan FL says picked up these cosmic cupcakes from Little Debbie and listening to some Rebel Force Radio on Thanksgiving Eve. So see, we, we go back and we look. For all the great posts, and this one was on Thanksgiving Eve, and we are going to reward Star Wars hockey fan FL with a galactic snack pack that will be showing up at his or her house. And uh, we really appreciate you getting the word out about Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie. We're here each and every week to give you 
awesome snacks, courtesy of your friends at Little Debbie. They love Rebel Force Radio. They love Star Wars. And they love giving back to the Star Wars fan community. And that's what we're all about here at Rebel Force Radio. Because, of course, Little Debbie and Cosmic Cupcakes are the official snack of us here at Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody! That's right, Homer. Star Wars parodies on The Simpsons. Yes. There used to be a time, Jason. There used to be a time that any time there would be a Star Wars reference made on The Simpsons, everyone would write me. They would text me. They would send me messages on Facebook. They would fill up our Gmail inbox, show at rebelforceradio.com. Nowadays, not so much. There was a reference made on The Simpsons this last week, and I received one mere notification. And there's been a shift, Jason. There's been a shift. I don't know why. It's not The Simpsons anymore that makes the connection with Star Wars fandom. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who does now. And you might think, you might think poorly of me for revealing my opinions, but anytime Stephen Colbert mentions Star Wars, <laughs> you guys let us know, like you used to let us know when The Simpsons would make a Star Wars reference. And I question myself. I say, are you a bad Star Wars fan? Because you don't give a crap what Stephen Colbert thinks of Star Wars. <laughs> Listen, I know he's very popular, and I know a lot of our audience are fans of Stephen Colbert, but I don't really get it, and I don't really care, but man, oh man, should Stephen Colbert say something about Star Wars, you guys let me know. Back in the old days, you let me know when The Simpsons would say something. So, we're featuring The Simpsons this week (laughs) on Star Wars and Pop Culture, and not Stephen Colbert. Uh Uh-huh. But uh, this is uh, from the episode that aired last Sunday. It's The Man Who Came to Be Dinner, new episode airing on Fox during Animation Domination. And uh, this is uh, The the Simpsons. They go to visit uh, your typical, like, Disney theme park, right? It's obviously Disney World. And uh, they refer to the uh, purchase of the... uh, Cosmic Wars franchise <laughs> by the... I love it. Of course, you know, they, they never want to cross that line. and uh, So they have, like, you know, the Stormtrooper country jamboree and... So uh, Randall Curtis finally sold out. <laughs> I guess so. You know your Simpsons. I know my Simpsons. Uh, Cosmic Wars. But, uh, but you got... Uh, and then you have, like, the Job of the Hut, Tiki Hut or something. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, so um, the Simpsons visit the park, and they notice uh, something's different. Oh, this place sure has changed since Disney bought the rights to Cosmic Wars. Purchased for $4 billion I was, yet still hoodie ragged where I do this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Yoda. You know, instead of, you know, meeting... Mickey and Minnie, you, you meet Yoda at the at the Disney park. Right. So no, notice they did say Disney in there, but they refused to they say did, Star yeah. Wars. Why don't they say yeah. Star Wars? Oh, that's weird. It might have been back in the day when they were a lot, you know, Simpsons have been spoofing Star Wars since, well, Simpsons began, which is the 80s. Oh, yeah. Crazy true. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, the my God. They're, they're one of the original... Uh, pop culture references to Star Wars. Oh, uh, the Simpsons for sure. Question, but as long as we're on the the, the subject of being disappointed in uh, Star Wars and pop culture references lately, 
<laughs> well, I just want to say this. <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. We watched the interview. We, we you know, got it video on demand. The, the Seth Rogen, James Franco film that insulted Kim Jong-il. Or, I'm sorry, Kim Jong-un. Un. I can't keep up with these Kim Jongs. Uh, this is <laughs> Un. This is the crazy son. And, um, you know, uh, Sony, of course, did not distribute the, the film as it intended because it upset the dictator of North Korea. And uh, they, they got bullied into uh, releasing it as video on demand. So because of all this hype... We wanted to see it, and also, you know, being fans of uh, Seth Rogen, he's a he's always very entertaining in whatever he does. And James Franco, eh, take him or leave him. I thought he was fantastic in the film. I thought it was a funny film, uh, full of offensive language and uh, and other discussion. But but all in all, it was a fun film. It was definitely uh, a film that you would uh, classify as something that belongs in the dumb genre. Uh, but it's uh, was it worthy of an international incident? I mean, was it? Well, uh, you know, um, they they certainly don't depict the guy in the <laughs> the greatest of lights. And as I do whenever I watch any movie or TV show, I do have my ear open for the Star Wars in pop culture moment. It didn't come in the interview, but the interview was rife with other references, most notably toward the Lord of the Rings franchise constant Lord of the Rings references being made throughout the film. And I got to admit, I got to admit, after all this time, years of producing the Star Wars and pop culture segment for this show, um, you you think I'd I'd be getting sick of it? Maybe, you know, that's enough. That's enough with the pop culture references with Star Wars. Because it does does sometimes seem like it's a little out of hand. It seems like every time you turn on the TV, it's some sort of reference being made to Star Wars. But as I was listening to these Lord of the Rings references being made while I was watching the interview, easily the most hyped film of the holiday season, I felt a sense of jealousy and, and anger and unfulfillment. Why are they referencing Lord of the Rings? Those should be Star Wars references they're making in this film. I screamed at the television many times while I was watching the film, but I felt that. I felt an emptiness. <laughs> I felt like Lord of the Rings was moving into our pop culture reference situation here that we've taken years to develop, going all the way back to Kevin Smith's Clerks, which I consider the place where the groundswell actually began, was Clerks. Oh, absolutely. So that's just my piece. That's my editorial on the, uh, the interview. And, Do you uh, really feel that Lord of the Rings? I, I, granted, it's it's no uh, it's no Avatar in terms of its vapid effect on pop culture, but do you really feel that Lord of the Rings as? I, and I love Lord of the Rings, but it's very thick. It's very heavy to me. Um, is it really good fodder for funny pop culture references? The way they incorporate it into the interview does work. I'll give them that. It does work. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's not as easy to digest as a Star Wars reference is. And I think that's a direct reflection of the two franchises. I think Star Wars is more accessible to your everyday entertainment person, entertainment junkie, anyone looking to be entertained. I think Mm. they can find an easier to understand more digestible form of entertainment in, in Star Wars than Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is more of a commitment, and it's a little bit more of a, 
literary event. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking on Lord of the Rings. Believe me, I love me some some. I love me some Hobbiton. Love me some. Mm. Uh, give me some Mordor. You know, uh, you can call me a ring wraith. I will not be insulted. You can have an orc to my house for dinner. But uh, I, I felt there was a. I don't know. It was almost like the new guard was moving in. It's like, is this mm. gonna? Is this is this what we're gonna be doing now? Lord of the Rings references everywhere. It might have been, you know, that might have been a just a taste of the writers, you know, personal preference. And maybe they're thinking, you know, maybe they were feeling that Star Wars was tired. Oh, don't you dare say That's, that. Hey, we do have some sad news. And this was this was a real bummer. This really was for me. I, I'm I was such a fan of this uh, actress's work. Um, I, I just from Darkwing Duck to Rugrats, to Ariel Monsters, uh, Babe, and, and my all-time favorite role of hers, uh, Dexter's Laboratory from Cartoon Network, um, Christine Cavanaugh, a brilliant voice actress and a live action, you know, did some live action stuff too, uh, passed away at the, a young age. I, I think she was only, I don't, this article doesn't say how old she was, but I I'm think she was she 51. Was, she was very yeah, young, 51, 51 years yeah. old, young. And I didn't know that she had been out of the business since 2001, um, you know, because a lot of those shows are still still showing up, right. you know, mm-hmm. and that that voice that she had, um, particularly the voice she used for Dexter and pretty similar to the one she used for Chucky on on Rugrats. Just I feel like she she provided so much of uh, my entertainment throughout my my childhood. And in my young adulthood, when I started to really get cartoons and animation at a, at a different level, and when that type of entertainment was sort of maturing, thanks to Cartoon Network's commitment to that medium, and um, I just I was really really bummed. I, I always thought some of these characters might come back. I always thought there might be a a new Dexter series that would show up, or um, maybe Rugrats would would somehow come back and. Uh, unfortunately, if it, they do, they're going to have to do it without Christine Cavanaugh. She passed away um, on December 22nd. So right around the holidays, it just really stinks. Now, Jim, you have a clip of Christine from an episode of The X-Files. So there's a Star Wars connection here. Yeah, that's right, Jason. This goes back to 1997. And Christine was a feature player on an episode of The X-Files called Small Potatoes. She was in a hospital room, and Mulder and Scully went to interview her because she was claiming that she had an experience with an alien. And uh, <laughs> as you'll hear during this... Oh, uh, I remember this now. This is, this is a classic. This is a classic. Yeah. And uh, so I had to go From way back, X-Files. way back in the archives for this one. But uh, uh, this is uh, Christine Cavanaugh on the X Files in 1997 describing this alien encounter she experienced. When you were admitted, you said that the uh, the baby's father was from another planet. What did you mean by that exactly? We know that he's not from this planet. Were you abducted? Huh? No, no, he dropped by my apartment one day and things sort of led to him. 
Mother. But the baby's father is an alien. No, no, I didn't say he was an alien. I said he was from another planet. His name is Luke Skywalker. He's what's known as a Jedi Knight. <laughs> Did he have a lightsaber? No, he didn't bring it. <laughs> he did sing his song for me, though. How many times have you seen Star Wars, Amanda? 368. <laughs> I should break 400 by Memorial Day. <laughs> oh. oh, that's awesome. That's that is awesome. Good. And you hear her voice, you hear a little uh, Chucky in there, maybe a little Dex. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's very, very sad. It's 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 sad anytime someone with that kind of talent and brought that much joy um, leaves us. But uh, anyway, we wanted to take a moment and honor the life of uh, Christine Cavanaugh. We've gotten to know a lot of folks that work in that world of uh, of. voice animation you know providing the voice of uh, animated characters and all that and voiceover work and it's uh, a lot of times it's it's a very thankless job luckily we've got some great ambassadors that really shine a lot of light on that art form uh, but uh, it's it's something that you know a lot of times people just kind of take it for granted and uh, it's really something very unique and very special and so Christine was part of that wonderful fraternity so Christine Cavanaugh all right, it's that time once again. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You know the rules. We set the egg timer, the official Rebel Force Radio egg timer. Jim, you got it? I do have it, and also along with us for this. 15-minute spoiler alert. We have Kyle Newman and F.J. DeSanto. Oh, special guests yes. joining us on the, uh, on the spoiler. So, guys, the rules. We set it for 15 minutes. We don't go over. We did last time, but that was the special Christmas episode. We will not go over 15 minutes to uh, run down as many of these, and we've got a lot of them. Wow. We'll never get through these uh, spoilers as we can. So, um, Jim? Setting the timer now. We may have broken it from last <laughs> But well, you we- kept resetting it. <laughs> well, yeah, you're on to me. All right, here we go. The uh, timer is set. Approximately 15 minutes, you're on the clock. All right, so the new image of the uh, the new TIE fighters that we're seeing with the red trim and the, uh, the double engines. Now, there's no uh, confirmation that these will actually make it into the film. They could be abandoned concepts, but what do you guys think? Do you think we'll see these in, in the photo? That we see, we see them with uh, Imperial, uh, you know, the Royal Guards. So weren't they purple? It's like a purple Tie Fighter. Uh, they're red. I don't remember there being a purple one. No, I'm looking at the image right now. If, if there is purple, it's kind of an atmospheric sort of thing. But it looks like it does have the primary colors that we're used to with a Tie Fighter, except there's a lot of red highlights, which could indicate some sort of royalty or an emperor. And there are Emperor Guards at the bottom of the ramp underneath this TIE Fighter. So just the fact that the TIE Fighter has a ramp indicates that it's much larger than your typical TIE Fighter. And the fact that the uh, Royal Guards are present indicate that some sort of Imperial ruler is on board this TIE Fighter. And but of don't, course, don't the colors, though, Jim, remind you a little bit of the Inquisitor? The red and the gray? Well, I could see that, yeah. I, 
could see that. Something. Yeah, maybe that. I does bet it. you those. I bet you that I'm looking at it now. I bet you those wings. Is that what they call yeah. them? Mm-hmm. Sort of then when it takes off, when the fins take off, yes. they come down and they so, almost look like a high interceptor. Oh, yeah. I was you wondering if there's. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it looks like maybe like a the ball landing. joint there. Yeah, I think they go up for the landing and then they, they go, you know, sort of more linear kind of thing. And it's like a Vader or a TIE interceptor kind of thing. Now, according to things that Paul has told us off the air, the stormtrooper depicted here in the forefront is a female stormtrooper. Now, I don't necessarily see that I as much. I think they're just man boobs. Yeah, I think they're moobs. I don't see that. No, I don't see that either. <laughs> and it definitely looks like an original trilogy stormtrooper, too. And so I was going to say that. Uh, it, like, could this be a flashback of some sort? Ooh, ooh, a flashback. We have her think merch about flashbacks. No. Okay. Unless they're force-related. No flashbacks, FJ? No, I decided. Oh, okay. FJ's ruled. Uh, okay, hey, uh, moving along. Uh, John Boyega, all intent. Now, by the way, the, the rest of these spoilers come from that, um, that whole mess that, that were posted on 4chan. Right. And, yeah, so, so we're going to run down these. This was, uh, who was this guy? What was his handle? Uh, his spoiler handle, boy. Spoiler boy. And, and I just want to say, so there's no confusion here, that, that we are not endorsing spoiler boy's claims or are we legitimizing them? We're, we're not saying they're for fact. This is more or less for fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun this time next year to go back and listen to some of these spoiler segments and hear some of this stuff and see if it actually came true. And once again, if, you're, if you want to find these uh, listed for yourself, be very careful when you're on the 4chan website. You, you will see stuff that you just can't believe. So just th- throwing it out there. Uh, so John Boyega, for all intents and purposes, the new Luke Skywalker with a touch of Han Solo thrown in. He realizes he's force sensitive when he feels the aforementioned tremor. I believe that's true. I believe that Boyega is going to have force sensitivity and he will be the star of the film. So, yeah, the new Luke Skywalker, he's going to be the one going on the hero's journey. The hero's journey, John Boyega. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. I believe the force is strong with this one. Uh, Boyega is an orphan. Yeah, probably, probably, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I, right. you know, that's uh, that's. I, I think that Daisy Ridley's character. Uh, no, she's no. not an orphan. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, no. we think that she is. She's no uh, orphan. Come on. Oh no, no. She, she's you she's know the, who the hell she is. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah. You know, there was a. Did you guys read the rumor today that the droid supposedly has. Has what? I can't hear over like Kyle's typing! That he has a part of. Stop typing. The BB, BB8, that's yeah, his name? BB8. Has, has a, a, a. Like, literally, he's the one housing Luke's lightsaber or something like that. Oh. I don't know who had that rumor today. But yeah, it was maybe somebody it was, talking about uh, the compartments. It was out there. It was the yeah, mechanics like, of the droid, and that the lightsaber actually only protrudes partially. Pops up. Um, yeah, it's like that. The saber, the saber would probably take up the entire inside of him, you know, because it's he's not that, not that big. He's a little he's bigger a, than that. He's a little he's bigger a, than that. Yeah, he's 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 bigger than a soccer ball. I still put him in about beach ball size, just judging from those prototype pictures that were leaked from Hasbro of the figure. Looks like he he comes up a little bit past your knee. 
maybe. Hmm. So a little bit larger than a soccer ball. Definitely large enough to house a lightsaber. And of course, we've heard the lightsaber could be the catalyst of a lot of things that happen in this film. It could be the thing that kicks off a lot of things. And the, the story is, is that it's Luke's original lightsaber for, that he lost in, in Cloud City, dueling with Vader. And uh, that's, uh, that's something that's going to be, um, uh, it's going to be desired by, by certain factions of mm. people in this film. And they're going to be, you know, struggling. It's going to be a chase to get it, essentially. By the way, speaking of Luke, some uh, interesting things about him. He's Yoda's successor, again, according to these, uh, these rumors. So not a, a comparison to Obi-Wan, but a comparison to Yoda. Um, that he goes into seclusion following an event post-Endor that has caused him to become hesitant when using his Force powers to their full extent. He's not really hiding, but rather hoping to just keep attention off of his activities. Uh, people think he's a bit of a kook, given his absence, um, but he is said to have a purpose and plan behind those decisions. He's a bit of an urban legend by the time the film starts. And my favorite rumor is Luke does not die, turn evil, or go crazy. <laughs> well, that's he, He's basically Akira. That's the way I think he is. I think he's Akira, except in much more control. Like, if he lets go, like, the whole universe is toast. Hmm. And, why? you know, that's what the, I, th- I think that's why he, he goes into hiding. Because that, that's the, you know, the use of the full power and all that stuff that you're talking about is whatever that incident is. I, I, I have this, I'm not basing this on anything is that it's like it's a near Akira moment where like he's destroyed something or he embraces it too much. And Well, they're saying, FJ, that uh, he has trained seven Jedi since the Battle of Endor, two of whom surface in the third act of the film. Unknown whether uh, Nyango is included in that group, but could he have had a student that fell to the dark side? Is that his? Is that the incident? I don't think so. No? I, think it's, I think it's like... I think it's like... He's doing something and he blows like he like you just you want that moment. I mean, you might not see it, but they'll probably talk about it. And of course, there'll be a a uh, non red uh, font comic book based on this. But the where he's like someone's threatened or you know like his students or Leo or somebody's threatened and he goes you know berserk and he has like the the force rage. Yeah, and it's just like you know what the you know what, I'm just better off. And it, it, it ties into, you know, stuff from the original trilogy, you know, where it's like, you know, I'm endangering the mission or I'm this and that, and, you know, uh, where you could go too far. And that's where I make the Akira reference where it, he's like Akira, but he can control it. And he's just like, it's better off if I hide because if I'm out there, I'm a target. People are, are threatened. Lives are in danger. I could hurt somebody if I go mm. crazy. Um, you know, it's like that kind of thing, and that—that's—that's that's that, because that becomes a recluse. Can yeah, you guys and I think it, link. I'm trying to find it, and I came up with like some Repo Men page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, I don't. Maybe you could highlight and copy and paste these uh, yeah. if you wouldn't mind. Um, Kyle, I thought of you when I read this one that Luke has come to the conclusion that the Jedi are not meant to be an open quasi police force like they were in the prequels. He has a close connection to the living force. And uh, believes balance must be maintained through a lack of interference in the mundane conflicts of the galaxy. Luke's contention is that the Jedi, while still needing to promote peace, order, and harmony, cannot actively become servants for any government, including the Republic. Past events and the demise of the old order are said to have taught him that. So it sounds like Luke is maybe uh, riding the ship here. 
I love this, and I always thought and would love to see you know, a very future of Star Wars, 5,000 years down the line, where people don't remember the Force. But like you find out that Luke set some parameters, which was we're going to be consciously distant observers, and we're not going to interject after what happened with both the Sith and the Jedi. It's just a new evolution of a Force user, knowing that how much they can sway things and imbalance things. And... I mean, I think that that awareness had to have happened um, post-Return of the Jedi in him. There there has to be that level of consciousness and reflecting on the failures of his own teachers and the failures, um, misguided nature of the Emperor over his father. Like, I think he has to just step back and go, whoa, everybody got it wrong. And um, there's a lot of pressure on me. What am I going to do? And he's going to come up with a new style and a new approach to how the you know the strongest force users are going to go about their business and i could see him being very picky about who he takes on as a student if any i mean they're saying seven that seems like a lot but um is there a significance to that number i wonder i mean it's very specific no i don't know maybe i mean i mean also too how many kids you train at once right right think about it it's he'd only be able to do a a few if any and i think he'd be extremely picky um not the same standards that the jedi had very different ones um i like the idea of luke recognizing that there were problems with the way the jedi were approaching their their position in the galaxy and their position among the political realm and their position as warriors once once the war started and they all became generals. I think Luke realizes that they were going about it an entirely wrong way. And this will, of course, then lead us to the, the newest novel from uh, the Expanded Universe called Flaws of the Jedi, where it'll be all about the things that they do wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, uh, I, I love the fact that, the, that that this turns the whole notion of the new Jedi Order on its head. I, I, I mean, I always, you know, kind of thought it was ridiculous that in just, you know, a couple of decades that he could recreate essentially what took thousands of years to evolve. So I, I kind of like that he doesn't just repeat the sins of the past. And he is in contact with Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Yoda. And uh, It'd be pretty sweet if, if you have like Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson and Yoda popping up like in Force Ghost mode. Yeah, I think it's a That'd no- be so sweet. And then what do we make of the fact that Anakin is not part of this Jedi Spirit Council? Exactly. Or maybe he is. Well, he's not Who mid- would it be? It's conspicuously absent, and I don't know why he would be. And it better be for a story reason that um, Anakin can't be part of the Spirit Council for some reason, as opposed to just them leaving him out because of taste. Right. Yeah, yeah, because he's a prequel character, you mean? Yeah. Yep, I agree. Well, Mygon's a prequel character. Yeah, well, Anakin, yeah but, but Anakin, Anakin is a prequel is character that was that's in the special editions, though. But Anakin you know, is they have Star Wars. You can't leave Anakin Skywalker out of the Anakin Skywalker story. Oh, let me tell you something. I'm gonna, you're going to hear in this movie references to Anakin Skywalker, a thousand references to Anakin Skywalker in this movie. Yeah, but there's no reason why. The last time I saw Anakin, he was just as much of a force ghost as the other characters. There's no reason why 
he could not be communing on this same said force council. Um, and he should be. And it needs to be Hayden. Do we third agree? Act of, yes, because that's, be that's, that's Anakin Skywalker. This yeah, is that's the, the whole point of Anakin, Anakin's life. In the special edition. Right. This is Anakin Skywalker's – this is his chance to be a father to his kids, a grandfather to any potential offspring. This is the third act of his life where he can actually reflect upon the mistakes and successes. He has an important role to play in these Roman numeral films and he better damn well be in them. That's I, I'm, I will be upset if he is not unless there is a great reason. Um, I, I think there will be. I, I, I agree. Uh, uh, Daisy Ridley's character has been raised incognito to both keep her safe from inquisitors and from traitors within the Republic. Now, this is interesting. Strong with this one. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would. I love this idea of traitors within the Republic. So um, perhaps that there are some playing both sides. We even saw people like you know. Um, remember, Thrawn was after the Jedi offspring. We also know like what what um, danger they would be in if you were. Oh. Oh. Uh oh. That's it. What? Okay. So Wait a minute, Jimmy. Chibo Wait a minute. Married. He should be allowed to finish his That's thought. That's true. You're correct. Chibo and Turpa, Chirpa get married in a gay Ewok wedding. Oh, oh, oh boy. Over. I take that back. <laughs> and I'm the and I'm the for curse. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right, that's oh. it. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the uh, on the spoiler segment, and uh, once again, congratulations on uh, the the sequel to Smuggler's Gambit and the big official announcement this week at StarWars.com. Canon or no canon, it's a, it's a big deal. So, thank you, guys. Thank you. Get your tickets. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Our first episode of Rebel Force Radio in the can for 2015. This is the year of Star Wars. The year that Star Wars comes back to the theaters where it belongs. Off the bookshelf and into the theaters. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to our show. There'll be plenty of no, books. Oh, I know. Plenty of books. Relax, everybody. Plenty of books. Um, big thanks to our sponsors this week. Um... That just disappeared. Here they are. Audible.com. Make sure you go to audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audio book. Uh, the good folks at Dorkside Toys. You go to shotglassdigital.com and click on that Dorkside banner and uh, uh, visit them through us that we'd appreciate it. And also Little Debbie Snack Cakes. Congratulations to our winner. We'll have more winners in future programs. So keep an eye peeled for that. If you'd like to email us, you can do so. Show at rebelforceradio.com. That's show at re- rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, 708-320-1737 or 708-320-1RFR. That's easy to remember. You can follow us on Twitter at rebelforceradio, at Jimmy Mac Radio at Jason Swank, the Facebook page at facebook.com slash rebelforceradio. iTunes, got to subscribe, got to review, just one rule. Make it good. And the official website for all things and everything, Rebel Force Radio, rebelforceradio.com, and proud to be part of the Shot Glass Digital Empire. Yes. Portable audio entertainment. 
That's it, guys. We'll see you next time. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you. Always. Always.